Hey guys, what's up? I'm Jordan Crook, and I'm the managing editor here at TechCrunch. I spend most of my days worrying about TechCrunch events, and a big part of my job is determining which speakers would bring the most value to the TechCrunch audience. The ones that can teach entrepreneurs something or tell stories about what they've been through. As you probably know, coronavirus is trying to get in my way, but I'm not gonna let that happen. That's why we're launching a brand new virtual speaker series called Extra Crunch Live. Extra Crunch Live, in a nutshell, is a Zoom call with some of the best and brightest minds in tech, from entrepreneurs to investors. Here's how it's gonna work. We're gonna hop on a Zoom call, broadcast that Zoom call to YouTube. I'll ask some questions, but more importantly, you'll also be able to ask your own questions. So who are we talking to? Well. This week alone, we'll be talking to Aileen Lee and Ted Wang, who are partners at Cowboy Ventures. And later this week, we'll be talking to Charles Hudson, who is a total pre-seed wizard. In the coming weeks, we'll have guests like Mitch and Frida Kapoor, Rulof Botha, Hunter Walk, Mark Cuban, and Kirsten Green. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We are going big on this, so expect to see many, many more speakers lined up in the coming weeks. Extra Crunch Live is one of the many features that comes along with an Extra Crunch membership, as well as a hundred plus in-depth articles that answer the questions that I think keep entrepreneurs up at night. You can try your first month of Extra Crunch for just $1. I'm really, really excited about Extra Crunch Live and I hope you are too. So see you there. Hello and welcome to an equity shot, a short form edition of equity that we focus on one topic. This time we are digging into earnings as promised yesterday. So we have the whole crew back with us. We have Natasha Mascarenas. Tosh, how are you? Doing well, Alex. How's it going? Well, we're going to talk about earnings. So I'm obviously a very, very happy boy. <laughs> happy and uh, we have our resident, uh, resident genius and math expert, Danny Crichton. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's exciting. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. My God, we had... So many different earnings. I think there were, what, 1,500 companies that went out this week. So lots and lots to talk about. Yeah, I read like probably 25, I want to say, which doesn't sound like too many out of 1,500, but that's a lot of just numbers kind of push through your forehead. So what we're going to do today in honor of that is talk about what we see regarding what happened and what that means for the future. Because equity, of course, is focused on the private markets, private companies, but uh, they don't report much. And so if you want to know what's going on out there, we have to kind of look through the lens of uh, public companies and earnings. And Q1 was especially important because we saw a lot of companies talk about kind of the March COVID-19 impact and also what they're seeing in Q2 and for the rest of the year. So Danny, we have three buckets. Can you kind of break down for us the structure of the show? Yeah, we're going to first start with SaaS Enterprise. So looking at Microsoft, ServiceNow, Zendesk, and Atlassian. We're going to move on to uh, subscription, but for consumers. So Netflix and Spotify, video and audio and podcasts all reported earnings this week. And then we're going to end up with advertising-based companies. So all the big ones you've heard of, companies like Alphabet, aka Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat. And rounding it out, we're going to do a one-of-one -one with, with Apple. <laughs> and one thing to know here is um, Tesla reported earnings two days ago. And we're going to not talk about Tesla because as we're recording this show uh, Friday afternoon, Elon Musk is on Twitter 
annoying the SEC talking about that Tesla's stock price is valued too highly. Um, I don't know if that's a metaphor for a 420 kind of situation or what's going on over there, but we're clearly have no sort of guidance on what to say about Tesla at this point, because even the CEO seems to be off his rocker, which is not maybe all that different than normal. Yeah. And kind of adding into that, Kirsten from TC covered Tesla's earnings. And I spent a little bit of time going through the earnings report with her. And that that company is is so hard to understand. Like they put, just to give an example, everyone, but why we're not going to do this. Tesla put uh, some regulatory credit sales into automotive revenue, but didn't discount that from gross margin calculations. And so you had this weird, like non, no cost revenue thing. They plugged into what I think is the wrong bucket to juice their automotive gross margins. So it looks better than it is. It's a bunch of that. So we're not going to do it. We're going to spare you. Uh, we're going to talk about tech companies that we understand. And we're going to start with Microsoft. And uh, a question for you, Tosh, when you think about Microsoft now, what's the first product that comes to mind? Microsoft Word and not Microsoft Teams. <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping you were going to say Azure, uh, oh, but no. Word. Okay. <laughs> Microsoft <laughs> has some uh, ad campaigns to do in order to get there in the, the broader landscape. Okay, so my segue is, is gone, but we're going to dive in anyways. <laughs> the company had what we call a double beat. So it beat on revenue, top line, and also beat on profit or bottom line. So $35 billion in revenue, up 15%. And it reported earnings per share, which is kind of the metric that analysts care about of $1.40, up from expectations of $127. So a good, a good quarter for Microsoft. They are the most valuable company in the world today, with the exception of Aramco, the Saudi Arabian uh, oil company, however you want to value that thing. Things that matter, guys, cloud, Azure grew 59%. If you are in the startup world, you care a lot about AWS, which is Amazon's public cloud and how it's competing with Azure. Microsoft's, these power and underpin a lot of the cloud's internet world that you live in. And all that's nice. But what we care about is that Microsoft has been pretty clear that COVID-19, this pandemic that has changed everything for startups, hasn't had too big of an impact so far, but the company is unsure about what's to come, which Danny, I thought was relatively modest phrasing. Do you think they're just super unsure of where to direct here? Or is that kind of standard corporate lingo about kind of expectations? I think uh, given Microsoft's businesses, I mean, it's it's mostly immune to what's going on with COVID-19, right? So infrastructure is not going to get cut back. In fact, quite frankly, it's going to expand, right? As more people use remote uh, teams, LinkedIn is obviously a, a large component now of Microsoft after its acquisition a few years ago. LinkedIn was up 21%. As you can imagine, in this economy, a lot of people are going to be recruiting, a lot of people are going to be searching for jobs. So they're actually quite well positioned to to do well in the coming months. They don't have a huge uh, ad business like Alphabet and, and Facebook. So I'm actually quite excited. I think, as you're going to see with a lot of these earnings, a lot of folks did not give guidance. Some did. But I think in general, all that guidance is kind of moot because we don't know what's going to happen. And can you guys boil down exactly what guidance is and how important it is for reporters and the general public to to lean into what it means. Sure. So guidance is what the company thinks is going to happen next. Now, most companies will provide two forms of guidance. One is looking at the next quarter. So if we just passed Q1, as we did, they'll say for Q2, we're expecting revenue between X and Y. They'll probably give some sort of profit metric, either you know operating profit or net income or whatever. And then they'll break that down to a per share number. And often when people say they beat on earnings or a company kind of beat expectations, it means they beat on profit and then EPS earnings per share. People don't tend to care about earnings per share outside of the actual earnings window. People care more about like, what was their total net income? But those two metrics are kind of the shorthand for how earnings are judged. And most of the time in normal eras, not now, now it's very strange. If a company beats on revenue and beats on profit, it tends to go up. 
But as we'll see in a second, in the recent era, people are pulling guidance. They're pulling their rest of their 2020 guidance and saying, we Got don't it. know, or they're lowering their forecasts. And what investors love to see is a beat in the trailing quarter and strong expectations for growth in the future. It's a lot of expectation setting and, and guidance is management's opinion on the business, right? So, you know, management is being judged on how they set their own targets and then also how they outperform or underperform those targets. And so, you know, you can sell because the guidance is high. You can sell because the guidance is low. You know, if management is ambitious and they underperform, that's a bad sign. But at the same time, if management is saying, look, we actually think revenues aren't that good and then revenues end up being good, it's a sign that maybe the management team isn't being ambitious enough or being aggressive enough. So like, you know, oftentimes it's really confusing to say like, God, they beat earnings and then the stock crashed, right? And and it's hard to like, why is that happening? Much in the way that the economy, the stock market is up, but the economy seems to be in the crapper. Why is that happening? And oftentimes it's all of that expectation setting. It's about outperforming the right expectations. Got yes, it. it. So in, in a non-COVID world, giving guidance and kind of waving your flag is a great thing for companies to do. So them not doing it right now is them being a little bit more conservative, rightfully so, in a lot of cases. But that's kind of what you guys are hearing from it. I think it's more conservative. And also, it's it gets more complicated when you start to give guidance that may be completely out of whack with where the market is. It opens you up to potential shareholder lawsuits. You're sort of setting the wrong tones, um, particularly if you kind of knew that the business wasn't doing well and you sort of give bad guidance. And so I think more and more companies are sort of taking the rule that like, look, we don't even know what's going to happen in the next month, let alone the next quarter. Giving guidance is really just inappropriate and you kind of have to take it, you know, as it happens. Yeah. So let's go ahead and kind of put that into practice with uh, Atlassian's earnings. So the company had another double beat. They beat on revenue up 33%. They beat on profit per share, but they actually had their stock fall after that because they posted relatively weak guidance. They said they're going to do between 400 and 415 million in revenue in the current quarter, and analysts had expected 418. So their growth's coming in pretty far underneath expectations, and so they dropped a couple of points. But I want to put that in perspective. I did the I just pulled some data before the show, and as of when I did this about an hour ago, they were trading at 26 and a half times sales times revenue. So even though they gave back some gains, they're still incredibly richly valued. So this business is one that investors still have a lot of faith in, even if growth in the short term is going to underperform expectations. And then Zendesk, just keeping this going really quickly, double beat in the quarter again, another Q1 SaaS victory. They did flip to negative free cash flow, negative operating income, and uh, they yanked their 2020 guidance. So another one of these stories of it looks good in Q1, there's the year is a bit uncertain. And then finally, ServiceNow, a company we don't talk about much on the show. Again, revenue up 33%, just overall a pretty strong quarter. But I grabbed a quote from them that I thought's worth our time. They said that our guidance is based on the assumption that generally the most significant headwinds will occur in the second and third quarters of 2020. And then skipping a little bit, we are further assuming that economic conditions will begin to open up more broadly by the end of the year. So no one else was that explicit that I saw, but as we think about the rest of the year, that's how at least one major company in the tech and SaaS world is thinking about it. And I thought it was good to share to kind of ground us in kind of what to expect moving forward. And with that, I think I'm going to shut up about enterprise SaaS. You know, my, my takeaway, you know, most of these companies are very team oriented, right? So Atlassian is a very team oriented for developers and designers and the engineering side. ServiceNow uh, focuses on um, service. So like, for instance, at our company, we do stuff like if we need a new phone, it goes through ServiceNow. And then finally, with Zendesk, it's on the customer success side, um, handling tickets from customers and, and handling it. And what I found was interesting is a lot of these numbers were quite stable. Like there was nothing outperforming. There wasn't sort of anything underperforming, which was actually a little bit surprising to me because I actually thought with more and more people moving to remote work, 
that a lot of these companies would actually be very ambitious in their targets, saying like, look, everything's going to move here much more aggressively. We're going to have more folks. But my guess is, is that a lot of these companies still use perceived pricing, or at least the enterprise site license is still based on number of employees. And so as companies sort of cut back on their workforces, the, the value of a lot of those contracts is going to decline in the coming months and years. And so I think a lot of these companies were, you know, maybe should have been more ambitious, but are taking a more conservative approach. Tosh, you have some data for us from Jane VC. Can you run us through what we're seeing on the startup side? Yeah, so kind of to what you were talking about before, this is our way of boiling it down back into the private world. So basically, Jane VC, which is a female-focused investment firm, did a survey, interviewed hundreds of founders, and about 34% of seed and early-stage startups are extending runway by canceling their SaaS descriptions. Now, I, I don't know how that will exactly impact companies like Microsoft, companies like Atlassian immediately. So I wonder when we're going to start seeing that in earnings. But I do think it's going, it tells us like these are not completely immune systems and businesses. If you are doing well right now, it makes sense that their guidance isn't, you know, waving the flag super excitedly at this moment because some of their customers are definitely going to churn. For sure. And I think when you look at subscription, I mean, you know, it's, it's true that enterprises we're seeing in consumers. So skipping along a little bit to the consumer realm, Spotify and Netflix gave their earnings this past week, and they were both okay. Spotify reported revenues of about $2 billion, which was mostly in line with expectations. They actually made, get this, a million-dollar profit, a net income of a million bucks, which which is nice in this world, right? Like, you know, it's it's nice to know that at $2 billion of revenue, you can squeak out you know, a couple of pennies here and there, you know, someone cut back on the post-it note budget to make that happen for the for the quarter. But the, the most interesting numbers here, because it's a consumer company, obviously, we care a lot more about monthly active users. They actually hit 286 million monthly active users uh, compared to an expected number of 283. So slight outperformance. That breakdown is 130 million paid versus 163 million ad supported. And so Spotify actually did okay. You know, the stock has actually mostly tracked the S&P 500, but the real outperformer here was Netflix. Netflix numbers just blew past anything that analysts expected in the last couple months, up 15.77 million paid subscribers globally against 9.6 million in the year against uh, ago quarter. Remember, this is a mature company. You know, they already have tens and tens of millions of people already on board. So to actually outperform growth at such a late stage where they're going from 9.6 million last year to almost 16 million in the quarter this year is is really incredible. I mean, this is this is a COVID-19 impact because no one left their house. And so everyone needed to do something. So people signed up for Netflix. A lot of these are kind of hard to find the impact inside of them. Here, I think it's a pretty clear signal about what kind of consumers wanted. And I mean, I'm so curious about Quibi, not to open up that can of worms, but I'm so curious about that. But we're um, all curious, actually. <laughs> I, I think we're I think we're going to see a lot more customer Customers sign up for Netflix and Spotify, especially, you know, if COVID extends into September, into the rest of the year, concerts aren't happening and movie theaters aren't happening. You saw Disney Plus releasing a movie just on its online platform. Onward was the movie. It was delightful. But, um, you know, I think we're going to start Onward was very nice, but this we won't won't turn it into original content, but it was a pleasant movie. Yes. Should um, I watch it? Easy watch. Very delightful. It's also, it's also an animated Pixar film that's like 90 to whatever, an hour and 20. I think I, you can yeah. definitely oh. take Lightwork. a quick <laughs> Should, take should a I quick get look. Disney Plus? I don't have it yet. <laughs> I think we have it built into our Verizon plans. You have a Verizon have phone? Ver- oh, I do have Verizon phone. You should, because you oh. work for our parent I, I've, company. <laughs> I, I have several Verizon mobile devices. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but on that note, I, I just think we're going we're gonna to see more good news from them. I think it's an important time for companies at this stage, like you said, Danny, to be ringing in 
so many new subscribers. So, um, yeah. Well, and what's interesting to me was, you know, we've seen a lot of evidence from the podcasting world, which which isn't a huge part of Spotify's business. But it's a growing part. They've been doing acquisitions in the last year around podcasting. But we have seen a lot of sort of more negative numbers. People aren't commuting. They aren't in these sort of contexts where they listen to podcasts. And it sort of is reflected in the share price. So since January 2020, Netflix has actually gained 27% of its share price as of May 1st, whereas Spotify is actually down 6.5% against uh, the benchmark of a negative 11% on the S&P 500. I want to, before we move on to our last section and kind of leave this bit behind, kind of a fun financial note for all the nerds out there who really care about this stuff. Netflix had a really strange quarterly uh, like um, inversion of prior results. So Netflix spends a lot of money on content. We all know this. And because it's not an operating cost, it kind of ends up in the cash flow segment of its earnings as opposed to kind of like the, the operating sections. Um, in Q4 of 2019, their uh, free cash flow was negative $1.67 billion. They just spend a lot of money on content. However, after endless quarters of negative free cash flow in Q1 2020, when they couldn't do as much, positive free cash flow of $162 million. They finally flipped it around when they couldn't do any work. So anyways, uh, if you want to dig into that, it's really worth taking a look at how their cost structure actually operates. It's a lot of fun. I actually appreciate that fact. And I feel like your your nerdy facts sometimes are not necessarily like so um, interesting to me. So I appreciate <laughs> I was trying to figure and out a nice And the fists come out that. on the equity shot, and we're only a couple minutes in. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know that I'm boring at least most no. of the time, Tosh, but you don't remind me of that <laughs> on air. <laughs> All right, let's do some advertising stuff. We have a number of companies to get through, uh, including uh, Big Blue, King Zuck. Uh, yes. So uh, we, four major companies, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and uh, Google all announced their earnings this week. And I, th- I think the, the, the general sense was things are actually far better for the big tech ad players than otherwise might be expected. I think in the rest of the advertising industry, it's f- frankly been a bloodbath from everything I've read, down 30, 40% across the board. Almost all of these companies reported at least decent and actually quite positive numbers going forward. And so Facebook reported revenues of $17.74 billion, up almost uh, 20% from last year. Huge number of users are actually just shy of $3 billion monthly active uniques, which is really quite incredible when you think about it across all their different apps. But the one fact that came to mind that was actually quite interesting was that in Facebook's other revenue category, which includes Oculus, it actually grew 80% from the previous year. So Oculus has been out of uh, stock at almost all retailers. You can't find one anymore. And clearly, you know, a, a product that has struggled for years to find, find traction finally got traction when literally no one can leave their home. So that, that's what it took to get virtual reality off the ground. I mean, I know that's true because I was talking to a friend of mine who has VR because I was bored during this. And I'm like, maybe I'll get an Oculus. And someone was like, oh, they're totally sold out forever, everywhere you go. So that sucked. I also read that Portal did well. If you recall, Portal was Facebook's video chatting device that came out and everyone immediately called like NSA in your home and no one wanted to buy it. And they ran ads and we all mocked them and then we all got stuck at home. And so apparently now it's doing well. So I guess COVID saved Portal. Yeah, I I, th- I think... A lot of people, including myself, are kind of like face palming because they're think- like all of Facebook's products in some way are doing somewhat well than the sassiness might make it seem like they would have done otherwise. Uh, Portal especially. I remember just seeing the ads for it a couple months ago and just being like, this is so unnecessary. Like who's going to put money into a big version of an iPhone FaceTime situation? And here we are. <laughs> yeah, I think because the boomers have all the money and boomers are the biggest Facebook demo now. So I think that's, that's the real thing. It's boomers are powering Zuckerberg. 
<laughs> well, talking about boomers, we can go to the complete opposite direction. So on Snapchat, just to remember, you know, kind of the scale of this company. So the company reported revenues of $462 million, which was up 44% from a year ago. Again, $462 million versus $17.7 billion. So Snapchat is still a fraction of the size of Facebook, but was actually received extremely well uh, on Wall Street. So the number of daily active users up 20%. And most importantly, the average revenue per user was over two bucks up from $1.68 last year. All of those were really good news from, from the analyst perspective. And so Snapchat is actually, among this cohort of companies, was among the worst performing the last couple of months. It actually sort of hit its nadir in mid-March, but it's now actually outperforming everyone. It's actually among the set of companies doing better than all three, plus the S&P 500. It's actually up a couple of points this year. So really in good shape on that front. So let's talk about Twitter earnings. So at the top line, we had 682 million total revenue, which was broken down into 468 million in the United States, which was slightly an increase from last year. But unfortunately, an international, which was at 339 million for the quarter, it was down about 4%. So a sort of mixed bag, depending on the geography. There's been a lot of talk about in the tech industry about direct response versus brand advertising. And mm -hmm. the idea is that right now, more and more retailers want to actually directly engage consumers around their products as opposed to sort of selling big brand splashy advertising. And so what was interesting to me is, to me, Twitter should actually be pretty well positioned to, you know, create engagement to actually connect consumers to brands. It didn't really show up in the numbers in the way that I sort of expected. Um, it wasn't okay. a dreadful quarter, but there you go. Okay, so so two things about these, because that was a great summary, Danny, but I want to add a little bit of color and things that stuck out to me from the reports, uh, if, I, if I have a second. Snapchat, you, you nailed it. It was a better quarter than expected. You know, 44% revenue growth was huge. People were shocked, but it's still a crap business. And I think people forget how bad it is. So here are some numbers for you. Revenue in Q1 2020, $462.5 Not bad. That led to an operating loss of $286.4 and a gap net loss of $305.9 Holy crap. So their cost structure is still insane compared to their revenue. Yes, it's getting better. They love to highlight the fact that they lose less money each quarter. But holy geez, it's still pretty bad. And on Twitter's front, the thing that I that I caught from the earnings call that mattered, I think, the most for this discussion about kind of what's coming up is that unlike with Facebook, which said that it saw a return to form in its advertising business, Twitter was still kind of suffering in April. And that's, I think, why they got they got dinged. People were a little forgiving about Q1, very curious about Q2, Q3, Q4. And Twitter, unlike some other companies, um, didn't snap back as well. And that actually leads us pretty well into Alphabet, Denny. Alphabet reported a, a relatively positive quarter, mostly in line with investor expectations. So the, the company reported about a $34 billion revenue uh, against an expected uh, target of 33.3 by analysts. That's excluding traffic acquisition costs, which is the cost acquiring its advertising traffic. So for instance, if you use Safari as a web browser and you search and it goes to Google, Google actually pays Apple to get that acquisition. The total earnings for the quarter was $6.84 billion or $9.87 EPS. And that was uh, slightly up from last year, which was $6.66 billion. Last year's uh, Q1 numbers were hit very hard because of a fine levied by the European Union over Alphabet's antitrust practices. So, so it, they had the same number of revenues, but obviously in comparison, it was quite bad. The most important one is the revenue from its advertising uh, was $33.32 billion. You know, clearly in a very good position for, for Google. On, on, on the call, Google's uh, CFO or Alphabet's CFO, Ruth Porat, really did send a you know, sign of optimism. I, I think she recognized that there's obviously a lot of headwinds going into the ad industry, but it looks like Google so far is doing quite well. And unlike Twitter or Snapchat, obviously is in a dominant role. Yeah. And if Ruth tells me it's getting better, I believe it because Ruth is like an infamously hardcore 
a financial leader. So like, you know, she's not like sandbagging you or like you're or faking you out. She's just totally serious. Uh, I thought it was a good quarter from Alphabet. I was surprised, you know, frankly, I, I didn't I, think it was gonna be that good. Absolutely. And, and the, the real good news was actually on Google Cloud. So similar to Microsoft, similar to AWS, Google Cloud revenue uh, hit 2.78 billion in revenue up 52% a year ago. Clearly a huge part of the business. It's still a, a fraction of the advertising revenue, but you know, in terms of the growth potential for the company, huge kind of open headway there to kind of make traction. Yeah. And then just bringing in AWS, because we have a second here before we talk about Apple, this was the first quarter and Amazon reported this week. It was the first quarter that AWS did more than 10 billion in revenue in one period of time. And also it generated billions of dollars in operating income, which helps power Amazon. And if I recall correctly, Amazon's uh, international e-commerce business still loses money. So AWS kind of helps finance Amazon internationally, which is fascinating. It didn't grow as quickly as Azure or Google Cloud. Of course, those are smaller, so it's easier to grow from a smaller base on a higher percentage basis. The cloud race is awesome, I think, for the world, because if we ha having these three major players dump money into, the, into this uh, you know, expensive competitive world will lead to better prices, better service. And that means a lot of people can build cool companies without having to go out to you know, Best Buy and buy servers off the rack. So pretty good there. And with that, guys, can we talk about Apple? We, we can. Do you want good. to talk about Apple? I do, because it's a funny the, quarter. It's, it's the, beleagu the, the, belie out, the, the beleaguered computing company. Um, not that beleaguered. They actually grew, didn't they, Alex? Uh, they did grow. Tosh is right. They did have a new phone come out, but I don't know if that actually came out inside this quarter. Uh, but what matters is they grew, ladies and gentlemen, one whole percent. I mean, you got to give them points. We, we don't I mean, have special effects on this show, so that's the best we can do from an applause line. <laughs> I am glad we do not have special effects on this show. Yeah. We should get a laugh track. That way people will think that I'm actually funny. Like right there, there'd be a laugh track instead of silence after my joke, and then it'd be funnier. I would appreciate that. Um, anyways, they grew 1% in Q1 to $58.3 billion. But that's not really what we care about. What matters is this was kind of a sea change quarter from how I think about Apple. They have for a long time, as we know, tried to wean themselves off of pure hardware revenue and build a services business. Um, I pay for iCloud storage and other stuff. And I'm sure you guys pay Apple somehow every month for something. In Q1 2020, compared to Q1 2019, Apple saw device and kind of hardware revenue go down by a couple billion. And it saw services revenue go up by a couple of billion. So finally, we're seeing services revenue from Apple, this thing they've tried to build for so long, actually drive growth for the business and, and, and cover for declines in, if I recall correctly, iPhone sales, iPad sales, and Mac sales. So an interesting quarter. Uh, if you really want to have fun, just go read the income statement. It's a lot of interesting stuff built in there. I'm not going to go through it here for everyone's sake. But yeah, I'll point out one other thing too, which I, I thought um, Apple did really well, despite the China lockdown, you know, China lockdown first in Wuhan across the board. Apple actually has a huge business in China. It's about 15% of revenue. And obviously a huge proportion of its, its devices are still manufactured or at least assembled in China. And so the fact that it was actually able to grow 1%, we're sort of joking, but it's actually an amazing story in comparison to the headwinds it faced in, the, in Q1. Just because Danny gave me the perfect segue there, I'll pull the numbers. In Q1 19, $10.2 billion in greater China revenue. Q1 19, 9.45, but certainly compared to what we expected, that's a win. So um, that's good. Guys, is that the whole list? Is that all the companies? Did we do it? We, we were we still it. avoiding, well, we're avoiding Tesla. We're so not we doing Tesla. Back. We're still going to wait on the Tesla earnings because we have no idea how to interpret anything going on there. But I think overall, like in the tech industry, which now I guess is driving most of the gains in uh, the NASDAQ or so I'm reading today. Yes. Um, but it's, you know, the earnings across the board have been so good. I mean, seriously, I mean, solid numbers. No one really collapsed. There hasn't been a single one that we've seen that was like, wow, that's a terrible story. It's either flat or growth. 
and that's not bad when the economy has shedded tens of millions of jobs, the GDP is collapsing, and uh, there's just a lot of negative economic news going on. So I'm going to use my analogy again of like Roadrunner and Coyote when they run over a cliff and the, their legs kick frantically in the air before they fall down. I are we still there, or is are we is this somehow going to work out economically to not have 30 million people employed? And if so, if the stock market works with 20% unemployment, something's not right. Well, let's look at it this way. We might do another equity shot because we have Uber and Lyft earnings coming up here. <laughs> and those, you might have a different type of view going on. Maybe those legs will stop running out and maybe the cliff is already over that. So, so as a preview to that, what happens when your revenue declines by a huge percentage point and you have to do massive layoffs? Theoretically, your share price should go down. And yet, they haven't. So there could be some fireworks coming up. But let's call it there. Natasha, thank you for being here. Danny, thank you for coming in on a Friday. Chris, thank you for being on the dials and knobs. We'll be back Monday morning. Bye. Um, all right, I got to run. Um, and I'll give you a call back a little bit later. He wasn't even listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I? Really- Busted. <laughs> Busted, uh, sir. Totally we give you busted. a shout out and everything. Um, yeah, Chris, we can put that at the end of the. We, 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 we get one fuck now. That's how it works. We got a fuck ticket. Um, can I redo Twitter and alphabet summary?